Welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. I'm Jonathan Friedman and our next guest up, uh, reporter Phil Sharkey, president of the Higher Authority. Always a pleasure to see you and to have you on Radio Entrepreneurs. Hey, Jonathan, great to uh, talk with you again. And I look forward to our, our segment today. It's one of the highlights uh, always being with you guys. So I think I have something interesting uh, for us to, to discuss today. You always bring something interesting and something that makes us scratch our heads and say, oh, that's the right way to do it. Because <laughs> uh, there's so many ways to do what you do and most of it is not the right way. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit of uh, one uh, little background about your company and what you do. Yes. Um, and then we'll talk, I know you want to talk uh, about a specific aspect today. That, that sounds correct, Jonathan, it'd be a great segue, but uh, we're the higher authority located here in Massachusetts, but we do work coast to coast. We do pre-employment, uh, background screening, post-employment background screening, and tenancy screening. So we work directly for clients, uh, 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 reviewing applicants for positions, and we do see approximately 30% of the applicants we review provide false information or fraudulent information. And the key part, again, is to remember, as I tell people, that's 30% of people who know we're doing a background check. Not if we randomly grab 10 people out front and just did it. These are people that signed a release realize the background check is going to be conducted and still 30% come back fraudulent. So it's a huge number. And, and I would imagine the old tip of the iceberg applies in this case too. It's what you see is, is shocking at 30%. It must be so much greater than that uh, in reality. It, it, it's true. It's true. It is the tip of the iceberg. And again, I'm not, uh, we get accused of being big brother or something in that regard. We're not, we're just fact finders. And we want to see people that shake your hand and say, Hey, Jonathan, nice to meet you. This is who I am compared to them lying right at you say, hey, Jonathan, I'm lying. It's right here on my resume. I'm lying now. So when you trust me with any aspect of the job, I guarantee I, I will lie again. And I can, I can, uh, as we say in my business, a leper doesn't change their spots. So. Well, absolutely, Phil. And without getting into politics, we know from the top that, you know, 50% of what somebody according to 50% of the population, whatever some person says is absolutely untrue. So, you know. Exactly. We've had those talks before politically. And, and again, not to say on the other side of the coin, I'm just into the integrity side. And uh, it seems like that number would be quite higher than the 30%. But uh, Jonathan, I think what I want to transition to is I get this call a lot like a background check. Uh, and then criminal record researching. That's not a background check. That's one aspect of a full background. But boy, do we get criminal checks that goes with every background we do. And, and, and again, that's the first thing people want. Sometimes that's all they want. And I would prefer they don't do that because I can come back and say, I don't know the person, but I can tell you the criminal record, whether they have one or not. Definitely not a full background check, but it is surely the biggest part. And the first thing people think of when, when they think of a, a criminal a search on someone, a background is a criminal search. So, so tell us a, a little bit more in detail about a, a criminal record search and what that entails and, and why it's important. Absolutely. First off is it's a public record document. So we have a right to look at someone's criminal record history. Now, a lot of people push back and, and say, big brother in, in my privacy, uh, public record document. But I will say for an employment situation, I need a due diligent reason to look at yours or anyone's criminal history, uh, an applicant's history, and I need the signed release and authorization. So even though it's a public record document, I need their consent and I have to have a reason. So the reason is for employment purposes or for tenancy purposes or an existing employee where you may have a, had a theft. So we have a lot of jewelry companies and because of the theft, they go through and run the criminal history of all their staff. So you need that due diligent reason, even though it's public record, I need a, a reason, not because someone cut you off or took your parking place that day or, or gave you the, the, the stink eye, uh, needs to be a legitimate reason to check. 
So, so Phil, I just want one of those questions. So I understand you need the legitimate reason, but isn't the offer of employment? Um, and, you know, let's just use an example. You're going to be working in a company where they give you keys to a company vehicle. Well, somebody's just handing you a $40,000 asset of their business. Um, don't I have a right as an employer to know whether that person is telling me the truth or not? Well, Jonathan, get, get on my marketing team. You absolutely <laughs> do. And I fight people to someone and say, no, you don't have a right. And in Massachusetts, and we'll talk shortly how they changed the Corey record, which is a statewide and made it very difficult to get. No, you do have a right. You're trusting them with your product, your brand, your name, being on site, whatever. You have a right to research to make sure they are who they say they are and the history is as they claim. Uh, and that is your due diligence right. We still need to sign release and authorization. I just had a client the other day who said, Phil, uh, here's the applicant. He says, go ahead. I'm like, that's not good enough. I need the release form. I need it filled out and sent to me. Uh, for my protection, his protection, and all of our protection. So uh, that, that's the rules of the game, and I understand those and, and abide by those for the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which oversees screening. The first request I get, Jonathan, is people go to me, give me a national search, like with the FBI or CIA. I want the whole country. We work coast to coast, we work internationally, but there's no court search for the whole nation. We do something called a database research nationally, I don't like it. We do it for clients as a check mark. And the reason I don't like it is the information coming back is not always concrete. I want to get exact information as we talked just before going on air regarding the date of birth, social verification, address verification. And these national databases don't have that. They also don't have the finding often. So you'll get Mississippi might be different than Massachusetts or California. I'll get an arrest, Jonathan Friedman, popular name, right? I'll get an arrest for assault and battery in Los Angeles no date of birth, no social, what happened, don't know what happened. So it's very incomplete. And that's why we don't like it. But many clients, that's the first thing they want is give me the whole nation. I can Google it online and which is such a wrong way to go about it. So, so is the type of, uh, I would imagine the approach that you take is now that you have an applicant uh, or an application that has uh, previous addresses, uh, places that they lived, really to tailor in and focus and hone in on where the person may have lived, obviously pairing that up with social security numbers, timeframes, et cetera. Um, but now you know that you're, you're actually doing your due diligence and, and targeting the right applicants, the right candidates. Exactly, John. Then boy, you just knocked it out of the park. I, I often tell my clients, it's not where they really are now, which of course we check, it's where they've been. Most times when I do get criminal history, it's not here, it's where they've been. And most applicants in that vein are very skilled at hiding that. We do another search which gives me address history. And so you may just know them from Boston, Boston, Boston. I do the address search and see they lived in Providence two years ago. We check Providence for criminal. And, and voila, you know, that's where the records are. It, it's, it's really a sound way to go about it. And I had other clients go, well, I'll just ask them where their address history is. I'm like, well, that's not going to work, is it? They're not going to share with you. So address history is key. Very key so, for, for so Phil, you're, you're probably a man of my own heart, you know, skeptic at first, look at, you know, I, you know, uncover the layers of the onion and make sure you've got all the answers, uh, or, or at least it all lines up and makes sense. What do you find when you're, when you're conducting criminal record searches? Um, what are your clients, uh, you know, the obvious one is uh, if somebody's had, a, you know, five DWIs and is working mm -hmm. under an assumed name, I don't want to give them a company vehicle to drive, but um, help us our, and our listeners connect the dots between types of things that you uncover in a criminal background check and why that applicant might not be good. It might, it might have nothing to do with the job that they're being assigned to do, but there may be you know, uh, 
call them personality flaws, uh, lapses, judgment, etc. It, it is, and I'm glad you, you posed that question because I get a lot of pushback from people and I get a lot of uh, the Deval Patrick administration years ago really, and I understand the thinking, they really toned it down and said, well, I don't want people that have records to be discriminated against. How are they gonna get employment because they have a past? I'm more from the side where you are what you are and you need to overcome whatever's happened to you, own it and overcome it. And us employers, or myself as a screener, I'm a fact finder for my employers. We need to judge just like we do with a resume. Do they have the qualifications I need for the job? I meet with them, I interview, do they have the personality for the job? And when I surface a, a record, they need to look at it. You can't discriminate. We did something called ban the box years ago, which they took that off job applications where they ask applicants if they've been convicted of a crime. So we can't discriminate, but we surely can judge, as you mentioned, if someone has alcohol DUIs, and oh, by the way, you know, one arrest is equal usually that someone who's been drinking and driving 20 times as the average. You know, when they have multiple situations there, that's a concern. We just had one for a tree company we do, and they had charges of drugs and, and taking drugs and, and possession of drugs. That's not someone you can trust to be up on a tree, cutting down tree limbs. So there's some aspects that surface that really are important for employers to say, can I live with that? Can I not live with that? as far as the overall judging process of whether you're going to bring them in the door. And like anything, it's parts, uh, pieces that, that you got to tie the pieces together to tell the whole story. And uh, to your point, a lot of people have gone through, whether it's reform, rehabilitation, uh, etc., given them opportunities, it's you're, you're looking for, does the story tie together? Does it make logical sense? And is it truthful? Absolutely. And if I surface drug uh, convictions, that's something to that the client needs to monitor and value whether it works for their company or for financial or working in office and we, we surface theft or fraudulency or, or, or stealing and bank violations. It's something that they have to value very strongly as to whether they're safe to work for, for the company. The best search we can do outside of that national one I don't like is the statewide criminal search. And you need an experienced company like ours because each state has their own rules each state is separate, separate, just like our vaccine uh, situation. Excuse me, Massachusetts uses CORI. Many people, many people heard that that term. It stands for Criminal Offender Record Index. You have to be approved to receive CORI, and it's the statewide search for Massachusetts. Rhode Island has a different search. New York, Connecticut, some states do not allow for statewide. And in that regard, we do a county criminal search. So if the clients can think of just Massachusetts, if we check Boston, that'd be Suffolk County. I'd prefer to do the statewide that's better for you, but in some areas it's not available. So that's the best searching you can really do. Well, Phil, you've just justified in the last 45 seconds why people should reach out to you and call you when they have to do any sort of applicant screening or, or background checks. And we'll give people an opportunity in a moment uh, to, to reach out to you, but you always have uh, an interesting story you wanna tell. So why don't, why don't you uh, share with us uh, one do. of your- I do, Jonathan. Today's uh, uh, company, we like to have our celebrity falsifier or liar, I guess would be a better term little company called Yahoo. Not sure if anybody's heard of that company, but uh, the CEO, Scott Thompson, on his resume, he claimed a degree in accounting and computer science from Stonehill College, right near our offices. Great school. Um, the former, he was the president of PayPal. He was named CEO of Yahoo in January 2012. But a quick check, a $40 background check of his educational history would show that he had a degree in accounting, nothing in computers. Never took a computer class, no degree in computers, as he claimed. And in fact, a high-ranking Yahoo shareholder commented, this undermines his credibility as a technology expert and reflects poorly on the character of our CEO. So 
It doesn't have to be the smallest company in the world. This is Yahoo that people, you know, the CEO falsified his credentials. So you need to- wow. So, so really powerful stuff that even in large public companies and uh, very familiar companies, these things go on. And uh, to, to your point, not a lot of uh, investment would have uh, prevented not only some, some tarnishing, but uh, embarrassment of, of the brand. Agreed. So, Agreed. Not, not, a, not, a good, not a big investment for, for clients. E easy to find out for us. Always great stuff. Phil Sharkey of The Higher Authority. If people want to get in touch with you, learn more about the processes that you use and, and how they can engage you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, Jonathan, our number is 508-230-5901. You'll actually get a person when you call, which is a nice uh, spin in today's world. And also our website is www.hireauth.com. That's H-I-R-E-A-U-T-H.com. My email is psharkey at hireauth.com. Excellent. Phil, it's always a pleasure having you on Radio Entrepreneurs. And thank you so much for, uh, for being here today and bringing us that great story. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. And we'll be right back with another segment on Radio Entrepreneurs.